Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. Asking a couple of questions. Have you ever made a stupid mistake more than once? <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> I'm there. Have you ever said something you know you shouldn't? And the moment it came out of your mouth, you regretted it? Yep, guilty. Guilty, guilty, guilty. Have you ever thought you'd overcome a bad habit once, only to have it spring to life once again? Yeah, right? I think these are normal battles. I think these are normal things that we experience, even as believers, right? Even as people who, who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior and have the Holy Spirit uh, living in our lives. Let me ask you one more question. Have you ever been frustrated with you? Yeah, I have. I mean, if you've said yes, you're in a good spot because only those who are truly frustrated with their own abilities and their own, uh, the, the, these kind of battles we have within can really truly lean into this wonderful partnership that is offered to us as believers, a partnership with the Holy Spirit. And uh, so this morning, I want to talk about this divine partnership that we have that gives us abilities that are not natural, abilities that we do not have, strength that we do not have, to be able to live in such a way that reflects the life of Jesus so that we can become more Christ-like in our lives, where we can move from a place of frustration to a place of fulfillment in our walk, in our relationship with Jesus. A relationship with the Holy Spirit, friends, is less about performance or, or some spiritual act and more about partnership. It's less about performance. I think sometimes when we think about uh, a, a relationship with the Holy Spirit, we think about things like power, or we think of th- about things like prophetic, and we think about these kind of things. But I want to tell you that more often than not, our relationship with the Holy Spirit is less about performance, and it is more about a daily partnership with this incredible friend that we have, the Holy Spirit. And if we want to live a a life that goes beyond the natural and we begin to walk in the supernatural, then understanding this partnership that we have is critical. The Holy Spirit was sent into the world and he lives in the heart of every believer and he's the one out of which we live our lives. He gives us life. He gives us the power to overcome things that we are not able to overcome on our own. He gives us the strength to face the things that we need to face that are difficult. He gives us revelation about things that that oftentimes we we don't completely understand. Then all of a sudden, as I said in my, my prayer as I opened, I pray that this morning a light bulb may come on in some areas. And, and what do I mean by that light bulb? I mean that the Holy Spirit might give us a fresh revelation this morning morning that might help us to understand something about our wonderful heavenly father our wonderful his wonderful son Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that is enabled to give us the ability to do what we cannot do on our own you see the Holy Spirit is our source of life the Holy Spirit is the source for believers in Galatians chapter 5 
Paul talks about this wonderful partnership that we have with the Holy Spirit. And so those who are frustrated with themselves, not living as they want to live, Paul begins to unpack this a little bit, and he begins to help us to be able to understand how this divine partnership with the Holy Spirit helps us in our walk with Jesus. In writing to believers in an area of Galatia, this is what Paul stated, Galatians chapter 5, 16 and 17, but I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. How many have ever found that battle to be true in your life, right? We, we, we opened up by singing a song about the battle, and the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle is, is God's, and he goes before us and fights our battles. And that is not just an Old Testament principle, friends. That is a spiritual principle for you and I today. There is a battle that is happening, a spiritual battle, and there's oftentimes a battle that is happening within. And it is the battle between flesh and spirit. What the flesh desires is not what the spirit desires. And what the spirit desires is not what the flesh desires. And there is a battle that is going on and raging oftentimes inside of us. It's a battle within our hearts. In fact, not just in Galatians, but when Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans chapter 7, he also spoke more in more detail about this internal battle that we have going on. Romans 7, 18 and 19, for I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what, is, what I keep on doing. Anybody know that battle well? Can I I say that I find encouragement to know that somebody like the Apostle Paul could write so so personally about a battle that I think is is common, what, what the scriptures say is common to man. There's no temptation except that which is common to man. And I've got to say that the battle between the flesh and the spirit is something that is not uncommon to man. It is something that that if you say, well, I've given my life to Jesus, why do I still face these battles? Why do I still have these things going on? Can I I just bring a word of encouragement to you this morning that, that you are not alone? That there is nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. Because once you know Jesus Christ, before you didn't know Jesus, you didn't care about the things of the Spirit. So you, you operated and did whatever your flesh desired to do. The desires of your flesh are what guided your life. But the moment you entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you also entered into a spiritual battle with, within your heart. And it's a battle between the flesh and the Spirit. It's a battle where these these kinds of things begin to rage inside of us and begin to battle with one another. And I know at times we try in our own strength to battle against the flesh. Am I the only one? How many of you have tried in in your flesh to battle? You've tried by yourself. Man, I've got the will. I don't want to do this. I'm going to do this. But I love what Paul wrote because he said, "I, I desire to do what is right. But I don't have the ability to carry it out. That that is such a truth. 
that, that in ourselves, in our flesh, in our own strength, we don't have the ability. We know in our head what we are supposed to do, but in our flesh, I, I don't have the ability to get the victory. And it, and it leaves me in a place oftentimes of frustration, of feeling defeated. So what's the answer? Is it, is it forever to feel frustrated? No, no, no. Thank you, Jesus, that Paul didn't end with that. <laughs> See, Paul began to learn that there is this wonderful partnership that we have with the Holy Spirit. And that there are certain things that, that allow us to be able to work in conjunction with and in partnership with the Holy Spirit that can move us from the place of frustration with our flesh to a place of fulfillment and victory through this divine partnership that we have through the Holy Spirit. We can live victorious today. I want to encourage you. You can live victorious today, but not in your own strength but in learning how to cooperate and walk in partnership with the Holy Spirit. So this is, this is what Paul says. Yeah, yeah, we can get excited. Come on, we can get excited about that, right? It's the 9 a.m., we can get excited, right? It's not just the 11 a.m. that has life, right? <laughs> but look, go back to Galatians for a moment. This is, I want to just talk about the first one. This is what Paul says. Paul says this. In, 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 in verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. What is meant to walk by the Spirit? What is this walking in the Spirit? Well, walking in the Spirit begins by being led by the Spirit. And this is verse 18 that follows this. We read, we read earlier, this is what 18 follows. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. If you are led by the Spirit. Now, the passive voice is being used here by Paul. If you are led, and what it emphasizes, what I mean by the passive voice, is that it emphasizes not your strength or, or your ability to walk, but rather the Spirit's ability to be able to lead you. The Spirit's ability to lead you. In other words, the Holy Spirit is not like the leader. If any of you uh, love NASCAR, do we have any NASCAR fans in the house? Daytona 500, anything like that, if just a few of you are NASCAR fans. What we're talking about by leading, the Holy Spirit is not the kind of leader that leads like the pace car in, the, in NASCAR. It's not out in front setting the pace, and you're trying in your own strength to try to keep up with that pace. That's not the kind of being led that we're talking about. It's more like being led like a locomotive, who you are linked to. You see, with a locomotive, it's the strength of the locomotive that, that pulls the cars that are linked behind, that is leading the way. It is not the strength of the cars. There is nothing in the cars that have any kind of engine to drive them moving forward. Rather, it is their being linked to the engine, the locomotive, that allows them to be able to follow and go and keep on track. That's the kind of lead that we're talking about. Not following in our own strength, but in his power. Walk by the Spirit means, means that we are staying hooked up to the divine source of power and going wherever he leads. Wherever the Spirit leads. In fact, John 15, 4 and 5, where did Paul get this concept? He got it from Jesus, who told his own disciples, abide in me and I in you. 
As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, it is he who bears much fruit. You see, what follows in Galatians chapter 5, Paul begins to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. He talks about the fruit of the flesh, and then he follows it up by talking about the fruit of the Spirit. If we want to have the fruit of the Spirit being evidenced in our lives, it means that we've got to stay connected. We don't produce fruit on our own. We don't have the strength to produce fruit. Fruit is simply the byproduct of where the branches are connected to. What, what kind of, what, what, where is the connection? What kind of tree? What kind of identity? What kind of source? We, we have nothing to produce on our own except what we are connected to. And when we are connected to the Lord, when we are learning how to abide in Him, learning how to lean into Him, learning how to partner with the Holy Spirit and lean into the Holy Spirit and be led by the Holy Spirit, not in our own strength, but by staying connected, the fruit becomes a natural byproduct of our connection. Becomes a byproduct of our connection. You see, this is, this is what, going back to Romans chapter 8, this is after chapter 7. You see, there was no chapter delineation. So Paul is, is talking about this battle. The good I want to do, I don't do. And I don't even have the ability to be able to do it. And, and, and the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. And he says, who rescue me, right, from this body of death? And he thinks, that, that, thanks be the Lord, Jesus Christ, right? And he goes into, there's no condemnation For those who are in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 3 he says, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. So in other words, we know the Ten Commandments. We know what we're supposed to do. We know know what God's standard of righteousness is. And yet, in and of ourselves in the flesh, no matter what, we could not do it. That's why God had to send his son Jesus Christ, who then has given us the Holy Spirit to enable us to do what we could not do on our own. You see, the law weakened by the flesh could not do. The flesh cannot enter into this battle. The flesh cannot produce life. The flesh cannot get the results it wants on its own. No matter how good, no matter how trying to be holy, there's not enough effort or trying on our own apart from the Holy Spirit that can ever produce the righteousness of God and live up to his law or standards. That's just the bottom line. What, what, what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, but by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful nature and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, now what is Paul writing here? Again, he's talking about the law. That's God's righteous standard. And the one that the flesh battles against is not, does not want to obey the law of God. There's nothing in us that wants to obey the law of God. In fact, one writer made an illustration of how the law is, is fulfilled in us through Christ who met the just requirements of the law. And this is what that writer said. He said, a vine does not produce grapes by an act of Congress. Congress passes a lot of laws. But one law they cannot pass is to demand that all vines in the country grow grapes. 
Grapes are the fruit of the vine's own life. So the conduct which conforms to the standard of the kingdom of God is not produced by any demand, not even by God's demand. But it is the fruit of the divine nature that God gives as a result of what was done in and by Christ. You see, he says, even at God's demand, be holy as I am holy, does not itself produce fruit that is right before God. Rather, it is an impartation of God's nature which allows the fruit to grow. And when we receive Christ, we receive a new nature. That's what 2 Corinthians is talking about. When Paul says that if any man is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. Yeah, I knew some of you would know that. A new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things become new. When we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we put our faith in Christ, the old nature begins to go away, and we are given a new nature. And it's out of that nature and staying in relationship with Jesus Christ that the power of sin, the hold that sin has, has been broken because Jesus Christ broke it on the cross. He broke the power of sin. And the power, the sin no longer holds power over our lives. But the only way in which we produce the fruit is to stay connected and abide in a relationship with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit who out of this nature begins to produce what that nature inside of us is like. So if it's the nature of God and I stay in relationship with God, out of that nature my life begins to produce the fruit of that nature. It can't be done by a command. It can't be done by by a desire. It has to be done through this connection and, and being led by the Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit who lives in us, those who have been born again through faith, as we stay connected to Jesus, it is no longer our effort that produces the fruits of righteousness. Rather, it is in staying in relationship and connection and learning how to abide in Jesus. And the byproduct of abiding in Jesus is the fruit that comes from that new nature in our lives. Similarly, walking in the Spirit is also keeping in step with the Spirit. Keeping in Galatians chapter 5, verse 25 says this, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step has to do with purpose and progress. The Holy Spirit wants to lead us to maturity. The Holy Spirit wants to lead us to maturity. Now, how many have known, how many of you know that you can grow up without growing old or excuse me you can grow old without growing up boy I reverse those that's what happens when I have my reading glasses on you you can grow old without growing up anybody know somebody like that they're 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 they have a they're old but they act like they're like a teenager still they do some pretty funky things right don't hit your spouse don't do that yeah I mean sometimes you know people can grow up physically but they don't mature they don't mature emotionally. The flip side are people who are young in years, but you know that, that there's a maturity about them. You ever met somebody that is young in years, but you go, wow, they've got an old spirit in them. Man, there's just, there's just something, there's a maturity in them. 
You know, and there's nothing wrong with spiritual infancy. All of us have been there. The moment we receive Christ, we enter into this relationship with the Lord, and we're young. We're, we have this spiritual intimacy. There's this excitement. There's, we're learning how to walk. We toddle a little bit. The problem is, 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 is with staying in spiritual infancy. That's where the problem is. When we stay in spiritual infancy, when we see a relationship with Jesus beginning and ending at the moment that we, we say a prayer and we, by faith, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, but we, we never take any steps to grow from that. In fact, again, there's nothing wrong with spiritual infancy, but prolonged spiritual infancy is tragic because God desires that we grow in our relationship with Christ. Peter writes this, 1 Peter 2, 2 and 3, like newborn babies crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So initially there's that spiritual milk, there's that tasting, there's that excitement, but at some point we've got to move on. At some point we've got to grow up. We've got to grow up. 2 Peter 3.18 says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Every one of us is encouraged to grow in our faith and to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And keeping in step with the Spirit is learning how to grow up in our faith. How to grow in faith. Author and pastor Stuart Briscoe. He helped uh, for me to kind of understand and get a handle on this a, a little bit uh, of what Paul was saying in this keeping in step with the Spirit. And this was an experience that he had when his kids were young. And, and he says, many years ago when our children were small, we went, to a, a little, we went for a little drive in a lovely English countryside. And there was some fresh snow. And he said, I saw a lovely field and there was not a single blemish on the, the virgin fresh fallen snow. He said, so I, I pulled over, stopped the car, vaulted over the gate. And he said, I, I ran around like a kid in a big circle, but I took as big of steps as I could as I ran around that circle. Then I went back to the car and I got out my kids and I came back and I said, listen, children, I want you to follow in my footsteps. So here's what you're going to do. You see that big circle I made? I want you to go and I want you to, 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 to put your feet in mine. And I want you to take those strides and I want you to step in my, in, my, in my tracks. That's what I want you to do. He said, well, our son David tried and, uh, and he couldn't quite make it. He said, our young daughter, Judy, she's an overachiever. She's always, always trying to do it. Certainly she would make it, but... She couldn't do it either. And finally, their youngest child, Pete, took a great run at it. He put his foot in the first footprint and then strode out as far as he could only to fall face plant right in the snow. And he began to cry. Well, of course, his, his wife ran out, picked him up and said, Stuart, what are you doing? And he said, whoa, whoa, I'm trying to get a sermon illustration here. <laughs> That's sometimes what we pastors do. He said, Pete, come here. And he grabbed little Pete and he picked him up and he put his left foot on his foot and he put his right foot on his foot and he went out and he took one big stride after another holding under the armpits his little son Pete as they began to take the steps and match the steps up. Perfectly. He said, whose strength was it? Well, certainly Pete had to cooperate, and Pete was there putting his foot on. And so Pete was making the strides, but only was he making the strides when he learned how to stay connected to his father. It was only when he stayed connected to his father could he make the steps. So many times we want to be like our heavenly father, but we're like those children. 
And in our own efforts, we're trying to make the steps that God wants us to take. But we're not staying connected to him. We're not operating in the strength and the partnership of his Holy Spirit who he's given us. And we continue to fall short of those steps. But we have a heavenly father who wants to hold us and lift us up and help us to keep in stride with him. To keep in stride with him. That's why in John 15, 5, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And why he later found and encouraged the Philippian church in Philippians 4, 13, that I can do all things on my own, in my own strength. No, I can do all things through who? Christ who does what? Who strengthens me. It's not in my own strength. It's not in my own power. It's not in my ability, but it's in his ability working in and through me that leads me from a place of frustration to a place of fulfillment in Christ. It's a partnership with the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to walk and keep in step with the Spirit. And finally, walking in the Spirit is learning to live by the Spirit. Romans 8, 5, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. Paul says there's a connection between how we live and what we choose to place our mind and think about. There's a connection between living and thinking. Literally, for those who are living according to the flesh, they literally mind the things of the flesh. And those who are living according to the Spirit, they, they mind the things of the Spirit. Our minds are a powerful thing. What we think about, what we choose to dwell on, what we choose to meditate on, what we choose to think about and set our minds upon has a great deal to do with the strength that we have and whose steps we're keeping in, who we're keeping in step with of how we're walking and how we're being led and how we're learning to live has a great deal to do with the things that we mind. <clears throat> In other words, whatever you set your mind on shapes both your lifestyle and your character. What does it mean to mind something or to set the mind on? Our, our, our English word, when the, when the word mind is used, it's used as a verb, not a noun. And it's stronger than what you might think. It's not just to think about, but it's to focus intently on something. You're, you're fixing your mind. Set your mind on things above, Scripture says. Set your mind on things above. It's a fixating of your mind. What am I choosing to fix my mind on? What am I choosing to be preoccupied with? What am I choosing to allow my attention to be focused on? Again, I, I love to use this illustration because it happens to me all the time. We, 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 we recently were able to, to upgrade our, our 2004 uh, Toyota Sienna minivan with 215,000 miles on it. Last year, we were able to, to finally upgrade that. And the new vehicle that we got has this wonderful thing that I absolutely, absolutely love called lane assist. How many of you love lane assist? We, we, when, we, when we got the vehicle, we took a vacation last summer. We took a family vacation last summer, and I, I wasn't familiar with lane assist. And I, I really, to be honest with you, was not really um, all that um, familiar with myself of, of how many times I uh, drifted 
out of my lane. But this new lane assist reminded me every time I started to drift out of my lane, it would go beep, 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 beep. And my kids started to count on vacation because they're good like that. I love my kids. They're great like that. They started to count how many times dad did not stay in his lane and drifted. Beep, beep, beep. You know, and it has this wonderful thing where it tries to fight you to go back. And, and I'm just stubborn enough that I don't. And then it says off. It like beep and like off. I turned off. I didn't realize how many times I drifted. And I began to realize why am I drifting out of my lane so much? Well, sometimes it's because something, I, I, I get a little bit of ADHD sometimes, and sometimes something else would catch my attention. I turn my head. I want to look at something. I, I enjoy when I'm traveling to play the license plate game. Anybody know what the license plate game is? I like to, to, to count how many different states I find, and so sometimes I'm finding myself turning because, I don't know if you know this about semi-trucks, but they, what, the, the trailer has a different state license plate oftentimes in the front of the, that might be, that's not new for anybody else, but if you're playing that game and you want to find, sometimes, and so I turn my head and there I go, because whatever we fix our attention, whatever captures our attention, oftentimes captures the direction of our life, Right? And so when you're talking about the flesh, if you are minding the flesh, if you are constantly allowing your attention to get onto things of the flesh, guess what happens to the direction of your life? You begin to, to follow the direction of the flesh. But as you begin to mind the things of the spirit, what you find is, is that the flesh no longer has power. Because as you mind the things of the spirit, and as your attention is focused on this partnership with the Holy Spirit, and the things that the spirit wants to do in your life, you begin to live a different way and produce fruit in a different way. The enemy, one of his greatest tools is to, one of his greatest tools is to to distract you, to get your mind on the things of the flesh. Colossians 3, 1 through 4, since then, you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, and set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory." There are two things we've got to set. First, set your heart on things above. That's the areas of your affections. How many know you've got to guard what grabs your emotions? You've got to guard what grabs your emotions. There are things that can grab your attention and can get a hold of your heart and the emotions of your heart and take you in places you don't want to go and doing things you don't want to do. That's why the writer of Proverbs says in Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. We've got to learn how to guard our hearts. We've got to learn how to guard our heart, guard, guard allowing things that shouldn't be getting set into our hearts, affecting us emotionally, because what begins to affect you emotionally will begin to affect your behavior. It'll affect what you do. Secondly, set your mind on things above. Set your minds. What do you think about? We've been talking about this, but guarding our, our minds and watching what we meditate on oftentimes is the key to victory over the flesh. What, what are we thinking about? What are we, we choosing to listen to? What are we choosing to meditate on? What are we choosing to rehearse over and over and over again in our lives? You've got to watch what you rehearse. 
You know those conversations you have that you don't have with, with anybody, but you have inside your head, right? And what do they do? They begin to impact your emotional health and your heart, and they begin to impact your mind. And before you know it, you begin to see yourself doing and saying things that you never would have done before. The battle is won and lost with what grabs our attention. And it's why Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Think on these things. We, we've got to let the Holy Spirit recondition our hearts and our minds. And that's, that goes back to what we open with, and that is learning how to abide and stay in connection with the Holy Spirit. The great news is you and I are not in this battle alone. The Romans chapter 7 battle at the outset of Galatians chapter 5, this inner conflict that we have between the flesh and the spirit is not something that you and I have to battle or fight alone. We've been given a divine partner in the Holy Spirit who gives us the strength, gives us the strength to begin to overcome. But again, it's learning to live by the Spirit, to set our minds on things above and by guarding our hearts. Can I just share one last benefit of the Holy Spirit as the worship team comes this morning? Often it's difficult for us sometimes to detect some of the things that are, that are found in our own heart and our own mind, some of those, those areas that are there. It's difficult for us to detect those things that are not necessarily right with the Lord. Well, you see the Holy Spirit's partnership helps us in those ways as well. Sometimes we're unaware of those things inside of us that are giving power to the flesh and making it difficult for us to experience the victory and the power that's available through a partnership with the Holy Spirit. But it's the Holy Spirit who is the one who also, if we will partner with him, will search our hearts and our minds. The Holy Spirit is good at searching our heart with our mind and convicting us of sin so that we can get right with God, so that we can begin to say, ooh, that's an area I need to bring that under submission of the Lord. I need to bring that in submission with him. When the Corinthian church was challenging Paul and comparing him to other spiritual leaders, this is what he wrote in 1 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. Paul says, it's not me. I don't even know my own heart. It's not me. I don't even know my own heart. But it's the Lord who examines me. It's the Lord who knows my heart. And it's the Lord who will examine me, and it's the Lord who will decide. That, that's Paul, right? And, and, and like Paul, we also see David, who prayed in Psalm 139, 23, and 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. 
See, this is what the Holy Spirit does. I'm going to show my age here uh, in a little bit. Maybe some of you remember this. Back in elementary school, we used to, oftentimes, they'd bring a dental hygienist in or a, or, or a dentist would come in, and he would teach us as kids in elementary school about good, uh, good dental hygiene. And so the, we would see a video, a video about how to brush your teeth and how to floss and how to keep your teeth clean and the, the devastating effects of tartar and, and plaque buildup if you don't. Anybody remember when the dentist used to come to the elementary school, right? And, and, and after the video and the conversation, they leave you with what? They leave you with a toothbrush, right? You get a new toothbrush. And you get this little, this little generic thing of toothpaste. They probably go with something now that the, you know, Crest or Colgate or something like that. I don't know. And, and they leave you a little thing of floss, right? You'd be left with these things. And there was also something else they used, to, they used to give you. It was in a little foil packet. Does anybody remember? And it was a little pink or red tab, right? And that little pink or red tab, you would think you'd brush really good, right? I'm brushing really good. I have no tartar in my mouth. Everything is nice and clean. There's no plaque. And then they would say, now I want you to chew that little red tab. And the little red tab had a dye inside of it. And that dye would oftentimes, if you still had tartar or plaque, it would be absorbed in. But it would not, it would not stay on the, the, the enamel of your teeth, the nice smooth enamel of your teeth. It would only be absorbed and demonstrate if there was still plaque or tartar. So you would brush really good and you'd think see my mouth is clean and then you'd chew that tab and you'd smile and there'd be red all over your mouth right anybody remember this right can I be honest with you in and of our own selves when we examine our heart when we examine our lives when we examine our motives when we examine ourselves we can oftentimes think Lord I'm right with you but it's the Holy Spirit that acts like that little red pill in that packet and if we will allow the Holy Spirit to come in, he will identify some areas in our lives where we need to grow and mature and become like Jesus, where we need the cleansing of, the, of Jesus Christ and his blood to come and to, to truly make us right with the Lord. Can I ask us in these moments that we have left, can we just take a moment, bow our hearts, and will you just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, is there anything in me? Holy Spirit, in this divine partnership, is there anything in me that needs to be cleansed? Are there any areas I need to be brought into submission? Is there any areas where I need your strength? Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come right now. Oh, you're such a wonderful partner and friend. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for loving us so much that you're willing to give us the strength that we need to be able to live a life not of frustration but of, of divine fulfillment, of peace, of joy, of power, of life. And so right now, just search our hearts. And if there is anything inside of our lives that is not, that is not of you, that is not right with you, we just confess that right now and we ask you to forgive us, Jesus. We bring it under submission. Jesus, will you forgive us? Will you cleanse us today? If there's any wicked way in us, oh God, if we've cooperated with the flesh, if we've minded the things of the flesh rather than the things of the spirit, will you, will you convict our hearts so that we truly can abide in you? We want to bear the fruit the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, we abide in you. Thank you for your strength, Holy Spirit. One more thing. If you're here this morning and maybe 
the Holy Spirit is convicting you because you have never, you've never truly given your life to Jesus Christ. You would say, I, I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. I've never asked for his forgiveness before, but you're being drawn to the love of Jesus. And today you want, you want the salvation that he provides. You want the forgiveness of sin that he provides. Will you just slip up your hand this morning and just say, Pastor, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. Is there anyone at all this morning? I need to surrender my life to Jesus. If you're online, will you just let us know? I need to surrender my life to Jesus. Will you just put it in the comments or will you email info at PainesvilleAG.com and let us know I need to make a decision to ask Jesus into my life. I need his forgiveness and grace. Father, once again, we thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit, this wonderful partner that enables us to be able to walk in the nature in which we have in you as we have been born again, not of the flesh, but born of the Spirit this time. Lord, may we learn to walk in the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, live by the Spirit. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you just stay? Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.